0: Hi everyone, welcome to the Totem Talks podcast. I'm Helen Fruin, and this is another in our series of the difficult conversations or honest conversations interviews where I'm speaking to as many different people as possible about as many different situations as possible to understand how we have these difficult conversations and what stories we can share, what tips we can share with each other on how to do this well, all as part of my interesting journey in writing a book on this topic. And today I am so chuffed to be joined by Asaro because here is a person with big ambitions and big stories about great conversations. I guess, Osaro, that you want to be having in life. So tell us a bit about you and your background.
1: Firstly, Helen, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Um, and to everyone listening, I am Osaro. I am a queer, biracial, working class male. I'm a plant-based advocate. I'm a music lover, even though I can't sing. I'm a huge Beyonce fan. And I say all that to say, because I think it's always important to start off with your personal loves before you start to go into the professional characteristics of who you are. But um, in terms of the professional side I now want you to sing
0: Beyonce. Let's just do it. (laughs)
1: You know, I sometimes feel I can, but it just doesn't come out correctly. Um, But who knows? Maybe I will sing one day. In another life, I know I was a Celine Dion impersonator. (laughs) But in this one, I am a content creative. Um, I specialize in copywriting, marketing, communications and broadcasting. And yeah, for the past two or so years, I have worked in publishing and communications and since then worked in marketing for business and higher education content. And I um, specialize currently in a not-for-profit venture to support young people through this very difficult climate. Um, I myself am a, a talented young mind in the unemployment bracket, as many people are. Um, that's the world we're in and I have chosen to focus on higher education because I'm so passionate about higher education and the value of young people today.
0: Brilliant, thank you so much and indeed uh, we had the pleasure of meeting on a Class of 2020 podcast as well so uh, how is Class of 2020 going actually?
1: it's going really really well I'm so proud of it I'm so proud of it I get emotional every time I see all the guests such as yourself the newsletter we send out the blog the marketing the website we're close to almost around 1,000 active users on the platform and it just it warms my heart that there are people out there who can feel our work and feel our impact and make a difference during this very very difficult and now second lockdown
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just extra difficult, increasingly difficult time.
1: It's the uncertainty, which is a bit difficult and a bit, um, a bit ambiguous because no one knows what's next. But I suppose that's what this podcast is about, starting conversations where we'll lead on to new journeys where we don't know what's next. But I think that's the excitement of it.
0: Definitely. There's certainly a sense in all of these interviews I've had that, it's the uncertainty that makes the conversation difficult. Mm -hmm. We don't know how the other person will react. We don't know if we'll get the outcome we're hoping for. Uh, So that uncertainty is definitely a a key part of it. Absolutely. Sorry, one of the things uh, I found really interesting speaking with you, Asaro, is this piece about when we talk about these big conversations, usually in these interviews, uh, it's kind of one big conversation that someone had. So maybe they went to have a difficult conversation with their boss or their partner or a friend, Whereas talking to you, it feels more like a movement, like a a number of big conversations that have started. Uh, and now it's become things that you say on panel interviews at Class of 2020 uh, that you're so passionate about creating a movement or a change in people's thinking. Uh, tell us about that, how it started and what that big conversation is for you.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because I feel it's as if it's a movement as loud as my big voice because <laughs> I'm a very talkative person. But the reason I it's become a movement and I'm so passionate about this transition from education to employment is because I said this to my friend who's currently at university I said that I'm going on a podcast to talk about big conversations I've had in work but the truth is I only graduated a few years back so my Mm. conversations and my experiences in the working world are very limited in comparison to other people and I said to my friend the one thing I realized about the working world is that the minute you enter you're in the privileged position that everything you see is not an experience, it's an observation. The minute you enter a business, remember, you are observing the dynamics of how people work, how people communicate, internalise those observations. And I think that's why it became a movement, because I, I was seeing inadequacies and issues that could potentially develop, change or speed up. And I think it becomes an experience when I start to engage in that and i start to add my two cents into that conversation and that's why Mm. it became a movement because i realized that the way we operate in education the diversities the backgrounds we have is very different to certain industries and to certain sectors and i'm observing the difference so if i want to truly experience it and make a difference to someone else's experience then i need to make sure that i bring up these observations, like those difficult conversations you have with your boss. I need to recognize the fact that there is a lack of representation, a lack of diversity, a lack of communication in certain aspects and certain facilities. I need to shed light on these observations because I think that's a very objective value that I can bring as a young person today.
0: Mm. And how has that translated then in in you having difficult conversations? What have you said to someone about this topic that's felt particularly challenging for you?
1: The biggest challenge has been that many young people enter work and we feel as if we don't have a value by our voice. We often hear that our age is the deciding factor to how much knowledge and expertise we have. So now I don't tell people when I graduated or how many jobs I've been in, because if you look at my portfolio of work, that shouldn't correlate to my age or my expertise. And the biggest thing for me was being able to speak up and finding the confidence to speak up and say, this is not okay, or this needs to change. Um, And I did it ever so subtly, Um, and you're aware of this, but our listeners won't be aware that I went to book events because I worked in publishing and I would enter book events and I would go to domestic and international sales conferences and it would just be very, very old, white men Not that there's anything wrong with old white men, but as a queer biracial male, it is a stark contrast, especially in the conversations and the topics you have. And the one thing I noticed is at a book event, everyone loves red and white wine. And I don't like wine. I don't know why it's always <laughs> being served. I'm not a huge wine lover. And I started that conversation very symbolically. I, my friend on my birthday bought me a queer badge. And he said, people can see your race. They can see your ethnicity but they need to see the diversity to your character. So wear this queer badge so that when you enter, you're entering with your presence symbolically, as well as conversationally when you talk to people. Mm. So I wore the queer badge. And in that instance, it was interesting because I would have one or two people who were queer, but one as loud about it or as um, boisterous about it, who would confidently approach me at these book events, would make conversations about... A lot of people would ask me, you're very young. How did you end up in this sector or in this place? It was a healthy conversation. It was an important conversation. And I think it it showed that once you bring something to the room, ever so subtly, once you bring it into a new space, it will create a trigger because, you know, the way I observe the working world is how other people observe it. So now there will be other people observing what I have brought in. And I'm contributing to that new experience and that new, that new way of working and that new way of treating the working world.
0: Brilliant. And it is fascinating, isn't it? You talk about how it's kind of become a movement over time because Mm -hmm. of your passion behind this. Uh, And I find it so inspirational speaking with you because there's such a push to say that young people should not need to adapt themselves. And, And so you kind of hear it with every generation that every generation says about the next generation "Oh, these young people they don't know what's going on they don't even know they're born Blah 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 every generation says that about the next generation and there's something really interesting about saying this generation has something different to offer and how does the older generation become more open and better at listening and how do we help the younger generation as you say find that confidence to speak up and say actually my diversity is what brings me value. How do you hear me? How do you gain benefit from that value? Absolutely. Uh, Really interesting.
1: Absolutely, and I think what's important is that there are many people such as yourself who have had those conversations about value, diversity and difference. And, but I think the difference is that people in previous generations do it implicitly and sometimes they don't recognize it. Whereas Mm. people in younger generations will go in wholeheartedly with that difference they'll enter a space they'll almost enter a box if in if they're the shape of a cylinder so they don't fit they don't they're not the cookie cutter shape and i think that's what's important is that young people aren't doing implicit differences or they're not showing their diversity through implicit practices they are actually openly saying i've done this because this is who i am and now I'm telling you I've done this because you need to know who I am and you need to politely change your conduct around who I am. And I think that's such a, a healthy and cathartic thing, because I always say that um, I write a lot of articles on Generation Z and the differences which Generation Z are doing. And a lot are they're remoulding industry. A lot of young people. And this is to anyone listening who's in a traditional practice who's much older. A lot of young people. Are choosing not to go in traditional business and they're choosing to start their own businesses wow. alongside the traditional business because young people feel that they shouldn't i always say young people don't create work that caters to you they create work that is created for you because they're creating it for the communities they represent they're commodifying practices to diversify diversify business and to show a multiplicity in life and all its forms and there are businesses who are adapting to that and there are businesses who are not. And I feel it's almost a halfway point if business doesn't change to meet the young people or reach a point of divide where young people no longer want to work in traditional businesses. I mean, there's this whole thing of council culture where celebrities and businesses are cancelled at the blink of an eye if they do something wrong. And you'll see that the business and their PR team and I worked in publishing. So, you know, you have to quickly figure out a way to salvage it. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. that's it. You're left behind. Your ship has been sunk.
0: Really interesting. Yeah. And I, I love that point you make about uh, how do, and you know, we're, we're talking about older people versus younger people here. I think it's probably even broader than that mm. in just uh, people who are not used to operating in such a diverse environment or used to adapting their behaviour. And you talked about, actually, you need to change your conduct to adapt to me, And I think a lot of us hear that and get defensive and think, Oh, what do you mean? I need to change my conduct. What does that mean? And why, why should I have to change my conduct? And I wonder if it's helpful to bring that to life with an example. And and you shared with me when we were talking off air about LinkedIn and how, Uh, people are now sharing their pronouns and how could that become a, a bigger thing of the future and I wonder if that's actually a really powerful example of a small change in conduct that leads to a really huge change in the way that we adapt to each other and respect each other's preferences do you want to say more about that
1: yeah no it's interesting because I was listening to a podcast and with every Guest, and with every um, letter he would get from a listener, he would ask the guest, "Hello, what is your name, and what are your pronouns?" Or he would read the letter, and he would say, "We've got a letter from a sorrow in Southwest London who goes by he/him pronouns." And I'd never heard that before in any other podcasts And I thought that is a new conversation that needs to be brought into the narrative. But what's interesting is the fact that you mentioned the defensiveness which older generations may get, and I completely agree with you. And I think. And I'd like to say that as a young person, these new conversations aren't to attack or offend Mm. old practices. If those old practices were ineffective and oppressive and offensive, they need to change. Uh But if they were traditional and out of date, then we simply need to update them. And while I'm not criticizing the way you worked or the way you've done your business for so many years, I'm simply saying, if you have the opportunity to change it ever so slightly, And it won't harm you to write they, them or she, her on your LinkedIn. That is so opening and comforting to other people because it allows other people who are non-binary or who do have different gender identities to be brought into the conversation and to be brought into the way that the business world works. Because business makes money, it has value. And if you're willing to bring other people in, you're willing to recognise that their contributing values make the business.
0: Mm. And indeed, that whole piece about value links in very strongly to your small conversation, which I guess is kind of more a conversation you had with yourself about your value. Tell us about this one.
1: Yes, yeah, so my little conversation was that over this lockdown period, I realised that my value is my greatest success. And it makes me happy knowing that at this stage, I have a good amount of value to equate to the success that I've accumulated. Um, a bit about me, a bit of personal background is that I recently had two job offers. So one was a freelance opportunity in the US and one was a full-time role in the UK. And I declined the full-time role because the freelance one offered me more flexibility. What I didn't realize is it would then be delayed till early 2021. Mm -hmm. And having declined the full-time imminent position, I am now in an unemployment period where I'm having to survive off very little funds. Mm. And I, say all this to say that I had a conversation with my therapist where she made me realise that you chose to decline this position because the money they were offering you did not equate to the experience, the value and the responsibilities and the tasks you'd have to do. And she said to me very openly that after leaving our therapy session, I thought over it. And I thought that that was the most refreshing thing I'd heard in 2020, because even in the midst of a pandemic, you held to your values and your self-belief And she also said that to say that, remember, many, many people are unemployed, as are you, but you chose to put yourself in this difficult and uncomfortable position because you recognised that your value needs to be met. And if someone isn't meeting your value, regardless of what stage or period we're in at life, then it's not for you. Your journey isn't over. And she said that if you departed that opportunity because of the value, which wasn't being met, you need to remind yourself To continue that value going forward so every morning i get up and i always remind myself what am i doing today i have value all the experience i do in broadcasting and marketing is value which i'm adding and the right employer will come and that's the important thing patience patience that the right employer will come everything i'm doing will take its time because my value is slowly and slowly accumulating Mm -hmm. and it will speak for itself Because the right person will come and offer me the position, the pay and the opportunity when they're able to speak to the value I'm presenting. Um, And I think it's a conversation many need to have with themselves, especially in this lockdown when they feel as if things have stopped. They haven't stopped. Even if it's unpaid, it's an opportunity which will change your life. So just remind yourself who you are, your value, your success, your character, your flavour, as I like to say. People have flavour. Remind yourself of your flavour, and you will go much further than you can imagine.
0: I love it. There's such a strong message there around the recognising your value. Uh, Because I I speak to a lot of people who've been made redundant or or found themselves out of work, and there's this constant kind of, oh, I've, I've got to get back in. I've got to take the first job that's on offer because I've just got to earn money. And actually to stop and say, you know, how can I survive in a different way, or how can I uh, really define for myself what my value is so I can make choices that feel right for who I am, as opposed to just being on a treadmill that says you, you just have to go get any job to earn money. It's a really powerful challenge. And so we move on to our third bit of the podcast interview, which is about what advice or tips would you give to other people in having difficult conversations? And I was particularly interested because you spoke earlier about finding the confidence to speak up you know that's often the biggest challenge what advice would you give to others about how you have found the confidence to speak up
1: with the conversations I've had with myself and with other people the biggest takeaway has been that sometimes difficult conversations are necessary and there's a saying which is everything you want is outside your comfort zone and I don't like that saying I find it so cringy (laughs) And the reason I dis- I dislike that saying is because it's so true and I hate getting <laughs> uncomfortable. But the truth is, at your own pace, you need to challenge yourself. You need to become uncomfortable. And that's not to say you need to apply for 50,000 jobs or you need to go around to 50,000 recruiters or to 50,000 speaking engagements. It's to say that every day you need to try something new or try something which will push you further. So if there's a job opportunity you've applied for and then they sent you back and they said, oh, can you do this task? And you're like, oh, my God, I didn't even think I'd get to this stage. I didn't even think I'd be able to do this. I don't know how to do this task. I'm here to tell you, you need to do that task. You may not get the job. You may do the task terribly. But I think it's important that you you challenge yourself and you try. Just, Just do it. I set myself the goal. OK, I'm going to give myself one hour to do this task. Whatever comes of it, comes of it. But at the end of the day, I did it. And that's how you grow, because every time you challenge yourself, every time you get uncomfortable and you do something which you didn't want to do, but you wanted to try, you'll look back at one point and think, wow, I went from point A to point Z in the blink of an eye. And I think that's when growth happens, because you can't grow on the spot. I think that's something we need to recognise. You can't get comfortable doing the same thing because that won't lead to growth. Growth is when you're willing Mm -hmm. to stretch yourself and try new ambitions. So I, w- I would say that, look at where you are now, use this month to look at where you are now, pace yourself, don't try everything so quickly because you know, we're in a lockdown guys, so pace yourselves, try everything slowly and over time, add in new opportunities and new challenges to just spark your innovation.
0: It's so powerful because it's that sense, like you say, if, if everything, for growth and confidence and opportunity. If everything is outside of the comfort zone, then you say, oh, I've got to go jump outside of my comfort zone and do everything Mm. right now. Whereas as you say to to take little opportunities to constantly push at the boundaries of that comfort zone, that's where we're going to grow and learn. Uh, And perhaps for some of us, that is about confidence to speak up, confidence to have those more difficult conversations.
1: And I would just like to say one final thing to that point is that listen to your mind, I think a lot of people don't do that. You know when they say if you spoke to you, if someone spoke to you the way you speak to yourself would you like mm-hmm. that person?
0: Oh my goodness, It'd
1: <laughs> be a bully. This I is the thing we're
0: always so nasty to each other to ourselves. Yes.
1: Sideways. I wouldn't yeah. be happy. So I think it's important to recognize to listen to your mind. So if you wake up today in the middle of a lockdown and you don't feel like doing anything, it's okay because tomorrow's a new day and tomorrow is something new can come so it's not every day we get up and we do something new we become the best person we can remember challenges can be small or they can be big but listen to your brain if your brain wants to do it and it wants to apply to that job do it if it doesn't don't do it because you won't commit wholeheartedly to that job application so please listen to your mind when it's speaking to you because it's it's essentially trying to guide you to the right path and to guide you to a place where you feel comfortable mentally as well as physically
0: Thank you, Asaro. It's been so great speaking with you today. Thank you so much for sharing this openness about this movement. I mean, of course, you're going to be open about it because it's (laughs) something you want everybody to hear and everybody to be challenged by. Uh, But because you have found this, uh, you know, this kind of challenge of how do I find the confidence to speak up? Clearly now you have the confidence (laughs) to speak up and I'm delighted that you're doing so. So thank you.
1: Thank you so much.
0: So, thank you so much, Asaro, for being with us today. If you want to go connect with Asaro, find out more about him and the amazing work that he's doing, you can find him on LinkedIn, Asaro UNCHA, or also look up Class of 2020, links below in the
1: text. That was amazing. Can I just say, Off the bat, you said my surname fantastically. Without any practice, you said it amazingly. Like, I'm very impressed. Because usually a lot of people, they have to take some time to practice it because it's a Nigerian surname, but you said it phenomenally. I was like, wow.
0: I'm very fussy about these
1: things. So I did a bit of work
0: (laughs) in the Middle East and uh, then the Middle East, I don't fully understand the the language, but I get that the kuh noise, they've got a few different versions of the kuh noise. And some of it's like a really back of the throat. Um, So there was a guy I was working with, whose name was Abdul Kader, and it's like right in the back of the throat.
1: you have to access a new phonetic.
0: Yeah. And I heard other people calling him Abdul Kader, And I was like, that's not his name. You can't, (laughs) it's just like you're mullering his name. And I think our names are so important to us. You know, if someone, um, I've not really heard people mess up my name much, but if someone was like, Helen or (laughs) Helen, it's my name. You can't get my name wrong. That's really important. Back to your point about value and identity. And so I'm really fussy about getting people's names right. So I I try my best. I don't always get there, but I'm glad I got yours.
1: That's good. Thank you. And thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I had the best time.
0: Oh, brilliant. Absolute pleasure. Uh, And it's funny, actually, because when you said before you were speaking to your friend and saying, oh, it's about difficult conversations at work this isn't um, specific to difficult conversations at work, but what I love is that you've brought that kind of whole life into work perspective in talking about, you know, I am a whole person. This is how I was in my education. Why do I have to now transform my identity just because I've come into the workplace? It's a really interesting challenge.
1: And I think that's another a new conversation, which may happen is if we are to become the work we are, then we need to make sure that our work aligns with our character and who mm-hmm. we are. I think that's the biggest thing. Like I always say, I, I don't want to go into work and be someone else in the office and someone else out of the office. Yeah. That's why I always say hey in an email or I'll put a smiley face because right. that's who I that's how I'd speak to people outside of work. Because yeah. and I just think I think that'll be a new conversation that's had because but um but well not yet. It's all a step at the time. The he she is a big thing. And it, yeah, it's definitely. a beautiful thing to see. It warms my heart, but yeah.
0: Brilliant, I actually have to go and do it myself because I'm with you, I see everyone doing it. And part of me thinks, oh, I don't need to do it for me because I'm not too worried about it. But I guess like you say, there's something about, well, if I say it, I'm saying that I'm really open to whatever your pronoun preferences are and I'm respecting those and willing to use them. So actually me putting it as a signal to other people that I want them to put it as well, which is really powerful. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you again next week. Bye-bye.